0: If I were to give some of my moderate structure clients that high structure visual, they'll say, "Oh my God, I don't want to do that." <laughs> not going to happen. If you don't need it and it's not going to serve a purpose, I still want you to slow down and stop and think. I mean, that's what planning does. It right, makes a pause. You slow down the pause. The pause. The ever fabulous pause and think. Not my superpower, Ellen. <laughs> Well, I see, I, one of my clients said to me, "Plan." I, and she has ADHD and she's a global creative and she's in a, she works for a nonprofit doing really important work. And she said, she really, her belief was, I don't have time to plan. Mm. Life is a mess if you don't plan. Well, what she said was, oh my God, life, uh, planning is the greatest expression of self-care.
1: Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive a strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Katherine Avery of Katherine Avery ADHD and Productivity Coaching and the host of Uncluttered Office for ADHD podcast. And today, I have a special guest and friend, Ellen Fay. I've gotten to study under Ellen, so this is going to be amazing. She can tell true stories about me and my ADHD in class. Ellen believes wholeheartedly that an individual's approach to productivity should fit their natural way of being, that each person's inherent style is their strength, and that those strengths should be honored and leveraged. This is core to her successful career as a Certified Productivity Leadership Coach and is the foundation of her recently published book, Productivity for How You're Wired. Her service as the president of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, collaboration as an ICF, Professional Certified Coach, and over 20 years supporting her clients has given her deep insight into how people function, work, and live. Ellen harnesses this knowledge to provide her clients and readers with personalized, practical, and proven productivity solutions, say that three times fast, so they can find the way they work best. Okay.
0: (laughs) Not too many stumbles through that bio, but a couple. How are you, Ellen? Hi, Catherine. I'm great, and thanks for having me and looking forward to having this conversation with you.
2: Likewise. And I am a little rusty. For my listeners, you all have been listening to repeats of holiday broadcasts that I had done in, I think, 2018, and that is because I am coming off pneumonia and laryngitis. So I was sick since November 1st, and today is one of my first halfway decent voice days. Lots of cough drops and tea before we got started. So I promised Ellen I would get her on so we can talk about planning for the new year. Let's start with that. How does one plan for the new year will kind of morph and move around? That's sort of how I roll these things.
0: Absolutely. Everything I believe in about productivity is about being intentional, not letting life happen to you, not letting work happen to you, but saying, what is it I want and how am I going to get it? Now, what I write about in the book is that we're all wired differently. And I just want to share this foundational concept of structure preference with your listeners because it's core to everything, right? So some people need high structure, some people need moderate structure, and some people need low structure to do their best work, right? So I'm not going to say do exactly this to plan for 2023 because if I gave somebody who needs moderate structure a high structure plan or format or discussion, they'd say, oh, my God, I can't do that. This is absolutely wrong. And yet, if I gave somebody who needed high structure a low structure template or process, they'd say, this isn't going to help me. This is nothing. So when I talk, and if you want the details, of course, they're in the book on Amazon, Productivity for Higher Wired, and you'll get it all there. But today, I want to give you guys really good information. When I talk about planning, I want it really simple for you. And then there's so many details. But basically, what I work with my clients to do is what are your life buckets? I don't just, I mean, you could do a strategic plan for your business. And actually, you could use the same strategy and templates that I provide. But that's not what my clients call me about. They want a better quality of life. Right. So we start by saying, let's divide your life into four buckets. Okay. Most of the time, and it varies somewhat, but most people pick something like work, professional growth, personal growth, and self-care. Or if they have little kids, family is big, family and relationships. But it's you're just picking out four overarching areas. Then the next question I ask is, what are three things that you want to accomplish in that area for this coming year? Mm. And why they say, why only three? Well, if you do three times four, four times, that's 12 things, and that's a lot. Yes. And people always overcommit. And when you spread yourself too thin. You just, you know, I always talk about if you take a turkey baster, let's, this is my turkey baster analogy for Thanksgiving, right? You're making turkey, you're making gravy for Thanksgiving. You take that turkey baster and you suck up all the juices from the turkey to make gravy. Right. If you focus it and put it in the gravy pot, you're going to have delicious, wonderful gravy. But if you spread it all over a little bit here, a little bit here, you are going to have this gross, greasy mess and nothing to show for it. Right. And that's just like your priorities and your goals for the year. So what are your three top most important things you want to accomplish? And if you didn't accomplish them in the coming year, what would you be disappointed? about? Mm. This is really about your heart and your feelings. And I know from listening to your other podcasts that that's what your listeners, you know, they get that, that it's not just rigid and, in business, then the last step is look at those three things and identify either a goal or an intention Mm -hmm. about from that. Why are those three things important? Let's say they're self-care. Well, I want to live a healthy life. That is an intention. A goal is going to be specific and measurable. We know that from business school. And that might be good for your work column, but for a lot of things in life, what is the intention and how do you want to live? I want to be my best self. That's a real intention. And that's some of the professional growth or personal growth. Or I want to create a great environment for my family so my kids could be their best self. Or so our family unit. So those are more intentional. They're not. You don't have to make it measurable and specific for a lot of our lives. So when you have that, that is my moderate structure model for planning, identify four areas, identify three priorities, and then back into your goal and intention. And you can do that on a spreadsheet. You could do it in a journal. You could do it on paper. I do have some templates included with the book that um, you can do it as a Google doc or you can print it out. But. Now, that's moderate structure. If you're high structure, you might want to break that out into quarterly tactics so you know more specifically what that means. Right. But If I were to give some of my moderate structure clients that high structure visual, they'll say, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. <laughs> not going to happen. If you don't need it and it's not going to serve a purpose, I still want you to slow down and stop. And think. I mean, that's what planning does. It right, makes the pause, the pause, the pause, the ever fabulous pause. And think. Not my superpower, Ellen. Well, I see. I, one of my clients said to me, "Planning." And she has ADHD, and she's a global creative, and she's in a she works for a nonprofit doing really important work. And she said, "She really her belief was, I don't have time to plan." Mm. Life is a mess if you don't plan. Well, what she said was, Oh my God, life uh, planning is the greatest expression of self care. Mm. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with
2: new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/specialoffer. All lowercase. That's Shopify.com/specialoffer.
2: Listen to that. I want to say that again because that's huge. Planning is the greatest expression of self care. We all think, not in, we all, many think. Self-care is bubble baths and spa days and eating chocolate. And self-care is much more fundamental. You know, it goes down to that planning. It goes down to boundaries. It goes down to what intentions you're setting in your life. I set intentions five or six years ago. I chose my core values. And they are health. I'm going to see if I get this right. <laughs> they're here, they're written down. I won't do it otherwise. I have the right here on my desk. And you know what? By the way, write them down and put them on your desk. Health, family, and freedom. Uh, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. So health was the number one thing. Family is my second thing, truly. I mean, when I had cancer, I just scaled my business way back. And freedom is really about, you know, being an entrepreneur, running my own business, choosing my own hours.
0: Absolutely.
2: And, 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 and when I need mean to make a decision, say in seven times, when I need to make a decision, I go straight to those values. Is this supporting my health? Can I work this with, around, you know, the importance of my family? Is this moving me closer to freedom? And then I do, did actually do this because I took a class planning for, not with you, Ellen, sorry, planning oh, for 2023. Right, And we wrote down what are our goals for each quarter? So one of my goals for quarter one is to update my speaker one sheet and get more speaking gigs. Another is to do more video on YouTube. And another is to investigate strategic alliances. Those are business goals. I mean, I have have personal goals as well. I'd like to lose five more pounds. I did the pneumonia diet. Lost the first 10. Um <laughs> And I did need to lose some weight. So I'm not unhappy about it. I just want my clothes to fit better. It's really less about the scale and more about how I feel. But I really want to get my I health back. So I didn't write that because this was a business thing. But if I were to put quarter one personal goal, it would be get my health back up to par. And frankly, I'm already doing it. I'm doing a lot of different modalities to get there. So I bring this up because before we started talking officially on the podcast, we talked about the fact you asked me, I'm taking a break from the podcast. Sorry, listeners, you're going to hear this now. Sort of going to drop that bomb in the middle because I was dealing with burnout and I've been studying like crazy around burnout and what that means and, and how to heal from it. And then you asked, was it intentional? So the answer is the decision was kind of made over the course of 24 hours, but the intention is to figure out Is the podcast something I want to continue going forward with, given some of the health challenges, given where does it fit in my business now? My business has evolved. Is the podcast evolving with me? So there's intention behind it, but the decision was kind of made (laughs) split second because that's how I roll. I said to my coach this morning, I said, I macerate on things for like six months. And then all of a sudden I'm like, made the decision and I move
0: forward. Well, you were, I love this this is an Adam Grant term. He calls it procrastination. So when you let that percolate for six months, you are not just instantly making that decision. Oh, gosh, no. And it's interesting to me. People think that procrastination,
2: procrastination is bad, but there are times it's actually exactly what you need. You need that time and space to say, where am I at on this? And then when you make the decision, I mean, if you feel it in wherever you feel your important decisions, for me, it's like my gut and my bones, then I know it's right. And it all just fell into place. It all felt exactly right.
0: Well, I commend you. Yeah, that's cool.
2: Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do the podcast forever. I don't think. I think I'll be back. But when I made the call to my team to say, I want to put a pause on the podcast. So we're pause again. They said there are lots of great podcasters who take time off from the podcast
0: it's for just this intense. reason. For exactly this, I was in a yoga class a number of years ago, and the teacher—it was a yoga dance class. It was fabulous, and the teachers just talking. She goes, "Sometimes you need to create space and see what fills it." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Whoa!" Like those are those words that I'm going to say it again. Sometimes you have to create space to see what fills it. Some of the best things that have happened to me in my career and in my life is because I said, stop, I need a break. I need to take things off of my plate and just have a little downtime, a little chill time, really time to reflect and see what I want to do next or how I want to grow next or what, how, what I want to bring into my life next. And then something amazing comes in. Well, for me, it was two new clients. The day after I decided,
2: two new clients. Well, the two days after, Thursday and Friday. So I decided on a Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I was signing on two new clients.
0: And it's amazing how it happens.
2: It's amazing. The universe just delivers.
0: It does. Whatever you want to call it, God,
2: angels, universe, Holy Spirit, whatever people want to call it, greater inner being, it's all good. Cool. So let's talk about your book. I want to delve in a little bit on the book. And this is because we don't usually talk about this in the podcast. I'd love to talk about your book and productivity around teams, which is a lot of the work we did in the class we took together. We've already talked about sort of our structures, low, medium, high. How do we apply productivity to teams? How do we become better leaders for our teams?
0: So first of all, What works for you may not and probably won't work for the other people on your team. If everybody on your team is exactly like you, you're going to have a very narrow approach to your work and your business. I know for me, I know what I'm good at. I know what my strengths are. And then when I am working on something bigger than that, I'm going to seek collaborative partners who bring something new and completely different to the table. So I can really elevate and get beyond myself. So these teams, we want people to be different, but that also means we have to accept that their way to be productive, their way to do their best work may not be your way. And Mm. that's okay. That's okay. I think it's really foundational. I talk about some of this in chapter three, which is on stress and how the... How the brain manages stress. I think I call that chapter, I should know this productivity, stress, and flow. And then chapter 14 is on cha- uh, leadership thought, and chapter 15 on leadership skills. So if you have got the book, that's where you would go for this. But it starts by saying that when your brain is under threat, it moves out of its prefrontal cortex, out of the thinking brain, to the emotional brain, which is. The amygdala, and that is the, that houses the fight, flight, and freeze response. Right. So if you are in a work situation and you feel under threat, you do not feel safe. We call that psychological safety. Watch Amy Edmondson's TED Talk on psychological safety. It's phenomenal. It'll give you the idea of creating these conditions so that people feel safe to take risks, do their best work. Just a little bit on that. So important. Amy Edmondson uh, from Harvard started doing her research on medication errors. And her premise was the teams that were most identified as most psychologically safe would, of course, make the least errors. When she got her first batch of data, it was exactly the opposite. Highest psychologically safe, highest med errors. She dug into it. What she found is those that were psychologically safe, Admitted their errors, discussed their errors, and fixed them. Bingo. And those that weren't buried them and just kept making. Them. Right. So we have to be okay. So the role of the leader, productivity for teams, is about creating a safe space for people to do their best work. Right. Some of my clients think that to be a great leader, they have to toe the line and and be a be a be a hard. Room right? I hardly, right? but You can use the word, it's okay, I'm pretty chill. That is not how you inspire and motivate people right. to use their inner intrinsic motivation from inside. So how do you create those conditions? The data for 50 years is pretty consistent. The two things in the last, I think I've been studying this for, I've gone back with the data for like 70 years the two things that are core and always foundational to creating teams that are motivated sense of belonging, that people feel connected and like they matter and acknowledgement and appreciation. And there's a great couple examples of studies in the book to prove this out. But there was like this one great study that Dan Ariely wrote about in the book payoff. He talks about that three test groups. One was do this paper, The first group, they wrote their name on it, looked at it. The second group, they didn't put their name on it. They didn't look at it, put it in a pile. And the third, they just dropped it in the shredder. Well, obviously, the first group was going to be more productive, but the second and third groups were almost exactly the same result. Shredding it and not acknowledging it was equally detrimental. So appreciation, acknowledgement have a productive team, the leader's job is to create a culture where the people could do their best work. And that will drive the endpoints and the goals and help get their appreciation, acknowledgement, making you feel connected, like you matter and that you belong. And then it used to be like the research from the 70s and 80s were really about problem solving support and having good listening. But now it's really moved towards meaning and purpose and that there's value and like that it addresses core values for people to feel like their work has meaning and purpose. So those are the things that the leaders need to be thinking about to help build more productive teams. Right. Now I'm going to tie
2: in the ADHD piece. So way back in the amygdala and the executive function, if you are someone who has ADHD and you're working in a stressful environment, You already struggle with your executive function. The last thing you need is to be having it derailed regularly. And I've worked in both environments. I've worked under fantastic leaders and I've worked under, oh my God, the most stressful situations. And you know what? Honestly, I worked in Wall Street. All of it was stressful, but it was all about the management team. And if the management team like got it and they saw it and they said, okay, we see this is really stressful. How can we... Make this more manageable. What could we be doing differently, or what would you like us to be doing differently? How about that? Talk about being acknowledged and feeling appreciated by being able to say this would work better, right? Right. Those were always my favorite teams. Anytime I was given a little fiefdom, and, you know, you knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Anytime you could do, it, give me a little fiefdom and just let me run my little tiny piece. I was very very happy, which taught me that I needed to be an entrepreneur and run my own thing. And that is probably why a lot of ADHDers end up running their own businesses. We're not good at being stuck in a box.
0: Right. And the sad part is that the mind, like some of the most successful entrepreneurs have ADHD. I've seen that with my clients over the years. I mean, they are brilliant, out-of-the-box thinkers. Yeah. They try things, but they have minds that go far beyond what is neurotypical, right? Right. And what's a shame is that a lot of corporate environments don't value that. So in they're the at, they feel like they have to leave or they never even become a part. But if that leader saw, for instance, in you, look at every gift Catherine has. I can accept that I need to give her extra grace over this, or I need to provide you extra support over that, right? Well, don't, no, you're like, when we were in class together, until you got sick, everything was boom, boom, boom. I was, I was right on top of it. You were like, you know, so don't beat yourself up. You're yeah. amazing. Like, and your contributions in class and everything you talked about really made a difference. Because you had such vast
2: experience. And we should let the listeners know the class I took was about coaching effective leaders, learning how we show up as leaders in the world, whether or not we feel like leaders. I mean, my biggest takeaway from that class at the very first thing I learned was you don't have to be the CEO to be a leader. And the person I was coaching at the time is most assuredly not what I would have called a leader. And I thought, oh boy, how am I going to explain what she's doing? But one of the things she was doing at the time was taking this big test and thinking about stepping into a leadership role and what was that going to look like? And how would that differ from her family needs and what was going on with her and how she was showing up as a leader as a mom and as a wife? Ding, 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 like mind blown, right? We weren't going to really go here on this, but we are because this is me. That's what we do. And I have to tell you, I never knew. that I didn't know I had ADHD till I was 55, for sure. I kind of guessed it around 50 when I had chemo brain and the wheels came off. I would go to the opera with my mom in my late 20s, early 30s. And I was sitting there. I'm like, got a pen? This is, you know, before we're all carrying cell phones, right? Maybe we were by the early 30s, but you weren't really taking notes on your cell phone. And I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, I need to write this down. She's like, what? It's like, there's an opera going on. Like, yeah, yeah, but this. And she, but she would get it because she, I think, pretty sure it's she has a mom. I'm sure she did too. And she's my mom. So she was used to me. I would connect weird stuff yes. together, which is a very ADHD thing. But I just thought, I couldn't understand why other people didn't do that. How come you don't do that? Don't you like sit in a baseball game and suddenly think like a brilliant thing for work? And they're like. No, I'm at a baseball game. I'm like, oh, now I
0: understand. <laughs> you know, oh, because <laughs> okay, I have a so neurodivergent brain. I want to like talk about this connecting weird stuff. So I took this college class. year. I mean, I'm I'm older, right? You know, so I was in college like a long time ago, but 18, it was about yeah. leadership, <laughs> leadership, right? And situational leadership. And I learned about this situational leaders, how leaders Don't change who they are inherently, but you can adjust the situation to fit you. And then, all of my years in professional organizing, I started watching that. Mm. And I started seeing I'm not changing who my clients are and how they're wired, but we can make the situation fit them. Then, when I moved into coaching, it became more amplified. And then, when I did productivity coaching exclusively, business coaching from a productivity and leadership perspective, all of those weird abstract things all came together. And that's my structure preference, which is the core principle of this book.
2: Right. So
0: you have to just sit there and allow, like create that space. You were creating that space in the opera. I've created those spaces in the weirdest places too, but that's brilliant. That's like, I'm really proud of this concept that, I brought it's new. It's different. That's why I'm so proud of this book is because it's not what everyone else has written. It's a whole new approach to productivity. That and I've read a lot of productivity books, so I can
2: concur to that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. It's, it's really so true. different than what I would have expected. I thought, oh boy, here we go again. And when you wrote it and I saw how you're wired and I thought, wow, this is going to be about productivity for people with ADHD and neurodivergencies. And it is, but it's not. I mean, that wasn't
0: your premise of the book. However, it applies. Because that, it applies right. to everybody because right. there's models in there that you can look like there's little tests and little yeah. gate, little assessments you make and you assess yourself and you say, and you and I give you lots of information. Which is a starting point before you start experimenting.
2: Oh yeah, you don't do your first how-to until a couple chapters into the book.
0: You're learning about how you're wired. I was going right. to call that first section the psychology of productivity, but I didn't want to like cross a line. But it's all about time. I, what did I, I now? It's like how you're wired. That's the first section. Right. Then second section the productivity flow framework, which gets into specific applications. But they all said, if you're working on a to-do list, this is a low structure idea. Here's some moderate structure ideas. Here's some high structure ideas. So you can start adapting all these ideas to you. So you finally get something that works. I love it. I love it. Believe it or
2: not. (laughs) Well, actually, you will not be surprised. We could talk all day. But I am running down on time here. So any productivity strategy or
0: pointer we've missed? I would urge people to even go to my website, ellenfay.com, ellenfay ecom And on my books page, I think the tab is Ellen's Books. At the bottom, it has the productivity flow framework I was talking about. Nice. And there's a, a download to chapter six, which is an introduction to that. And it really takes you through some of the tools. Remembering section one is about understanding yourself. Right. But then right. section two is the tools. And you can look at that on the website and kind of say, "Ooh, goals and intentions that integrates routines to put productivity, oh, clarifies and commits to priorities, time mapping, essential structures, which is your boundaries, your right. what you need to say yes to and no to how to do a task list, how to support yourself with planning and checklists and that kind of thing. So you get all of that. I would say that, I mean, there was years and years of experimentation and connecting different ideas to bring that to you. No, I love it. Thank you so much. So y'all can find
2: Ellen, she's already said it, at ellenfay.com. And her book on Amazon and other places that sell the book. I will put the Amazon link and Ellen's links on to including that flow thing. Yeah. Here to show the book productivity for how you're wired. I will put all those as links in the show notes. I am so grateful you came on so we could start talking about people rethinking how you rethink productivity. How do you think planning preferably maybe in that last week before the holidays end And we're charging into 2023. Yeah. Thanks for being
0: here, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. Have a great holiday season. You too, thanks.
1: You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Catherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week.